0: Walt Expires. I'm excited and delighted to be with you this morning, as I always am. Get into the Word of God and get into a really difficult, difficult subject healing, understanding biblical healing, when it comes, when it doesn't, and why. It's hard, even for Christians that are long in the faith strong in the faith, understand the Word of God to the extent that we can, pursue Him through it. It's just hard sometimes. I started last week when we looked at bearing one another's burdens because, as I've mentioned, that you know, we've been praying, pleading for so many people from now newborn babies, twins who are struggling to stay alive. They were born prematurely and Friends who are struggling with cancer, trying to survive that and heart disease and heart surgeries and automobile accidents that could have easily taken someone's life. But uh, this young lady still remains struggling in that. And we've been pleading, praying over that. We we won't stop. And uh, just so many others who. We don't even know the answers right now. Some may have gone on to be with the Lord at this point. I've been waking up, going to bed praying, and waking up praying for these needs that I know specifically. They've just been, there's been a lot of them. They've been burdensome to pray for. And what I'm going to do right now is kind of unusual. I'm going to get on my knees and pray us in with this, continue praying for these people. And I'm just going to lift up vicariously anyone that you have a need to pray over, pray for, who has a need for healing. And then we're going to talk about, biblical healing and the things around it to, and understanding it to the extent that we can so let me pray <clears throat> lord we come together over your word this morning your word is truth and it's the only truth that we have that's absolute straight out of your mouth breathed from the Holy Spirit into people who wrote it down, and there was a lot said about healing, and Jesus said a lot about healing. Lord, there are so many we're praying over this morning we've been pleading for for weeks. Some listening, watching, reading have been praying for months and months, perhaps even years, for the healing of of loved ones, of friends. Lord, I just want to pray uh, as an intercessor... For all those I woke up praying went to bed praying for and woke up praying for and continue to pray for and plead for their lives for their healing, O God. Jehovah Rapha, you are God our healer. You told that to your people Israel in the desert, and you told it to us through Jesus Christ, and we are healed. Through him, by his stripes, we are healed. That's what Isaiah wrote and And we know that Jesus was the healer. He brought healing everywhere that he went. So, Lord, we just plead. We plead for your hand of mercy and favor and healing. On all of these we lift up. And we defer every case to you, O sovereign God. But we do plead for them, every one everyone in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus who has healed us spiritually once and for all. And for that, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you in his mighty and matchless name. Amen. This may end up being something I have to finish teaching on Tuesday night. But let's go. Well, did you know that God never intended that there would be a need for healing. That wasn't part of the plan. You start in Genesis 1 and go through Genesis 2, that was not part of the plan. Everything was perfect. All of God's creation was good, very good, perfect. That's how he intended it. It's how he designed it. Adam and Eve, did you know Adam and Eve were perfect? It was not intended for them to die. Mankind was to live, be fruitful, and multiply and be perfect, and create a perfect world, or maintain God's perfect world in creation, and the animals, and all these things, it was perfection. There was never a plan to need healing. Healing of what? There was no disease. There was no sickness, illness. There were no viruses. There was no uh, bacteria that would kill or make you sick. That all came as a consequence of the fall of mankind through the sin of Adam and Eve. Now, I know, I know, I know that people who think we are foolish, people clinging to these myths from this word, this utter nonsense, but let them give you an explanation for where any of this came from. They can't explain where the world started. They can't explain how time started. They can't explain how anything happened. They can't explain how life started and and humans started. I was watching some Things are listening briefly on some evolutionists, and they're stumped there. They think they've got all these answers, but they have no idea how life actually formed and became humans. And then no one can answer. My question I always ask them is, okay, fine, answer one question for me. What went bang? What went bang? But we're not here to talk about that today. After the fall, and we go from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, we were talking about this last time as we got into the days of Noah. But the world had become so wicked, so perverse, so evil, and death had come into the world through sin, physical death. And then people talk about two deaths. It really isn't death, spiritual death, because our spirits never die. Some wish they would be dead for for what they're going to suffer in hell, but the physical death came in the world. And with that, all the diseases and things as we aged and things broke down again, it was never intended to happen that way. There was never supposed to be a need for healing anything. What disease? What sickness? What illness? What cancer? Those things all came as a result of the world decaying, breaking down over time, over all these millennia. And that's just how it happened, and and I stand on the word of God for that. So, and I'm I'm pretty well educated with engineering and medical master's degrees and stuff like that, and I, I know a lot about what I'm talking about in that. And I don't know a lot about these things as it relates to. Uh, questions that God didn't answer for us. But I do know this. I know where all this came from, and I know where it started. And the etiology of all those things, I can't tell you all of that. Most people don't even know what the word I just use, etiology, means. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What you need to know and what you've experienced is sickness and illness and disease, and you've had loved ones and friends die of these diseases and things that we're praying over right now. But they came from the fall, and they came as a result of sin. And just as life began to shorten, remember we go from Genesis where there are long, long lives of nearly a thousand years, real years, not made up pretend stuff. Until it got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Why? Because we had more effects of the sun. We no longer, after the flood, had that greenhouse effect where there was a canopy of water over the earth, over the firmament, over all of that, that was protecting us so that life could live on, could have lived forever in perfection. How God set it up, creator and author of all that, he knew it. But once that was gone, it just started getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And you get into the days of uh, Abraham and then, you know, on through, well, even with Joseph. Um, and all those the, the years were shorter. They were lived to be 115 years old or 120 years old. Moses was 120. And, you know, relative to the ones I could read you in Genesis earlier, those are current ages. We have people today alive in this world that are, I think, 115. I don't know what the oldest is, but they're really, really, really old. And and so it just it just shrunk down. Why? Because of the curse. Because of all the things that came after sin, the curse was mighty. And it led to this need for healing. Now, the very first use of the word healing is found in Genesis 20. If you get on in the the story of Abraham, Abram, as it starts, it starts in in Genesis 12, okay, and then proceeds on through until we pick up, you know, we've gone through, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons, with the Joseph story, which ends, kind of ends, um, the Genesis count. But there's a story of Abraham, and it's one of those times when he told this king, they came along these people, this king, Abimelech was his name, and Sarah, his wife, was very beautiful, and he told her he was his sister, she was a sister, and so the king wanted her as part of his harem, and, you know, all these things happen. it's interesting It's found in Genesis twenty seventeen and the verses above and beyond that, but I tell you that because it's the very first time that the word healing, in the Hebrew, healing at all, was used in the Bible, and this king, Abimelech, when he found out, God appeared to him. God, The God of Abraham appeared to him and said, listen, <laughs> that ain't his sister, that's his wife. And this king knew he had done wrong, and he knew that the God of gods had spoken to him, and he was furious. And so, because there was a curse put on him and his family, that they would never bear any more children of any kind, uh, any one, I should say. And so, in that, we read, once he had repented, once he had given Sarah back and, and blessed Abraham and given him gifts and said Get out of here I don't anything else to do with you then God healed him and it says that in Genesis twenty seventeen that God healed Abimelech and his people and that Hebrew word is Rapha Rapha In Exodus fifteen twenty six this is where God introduces himself for the first time to his people giving them names as they go through in Exodus 15. God said this, speaking to Israel, speaking to his children, the nation in the desert, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight and listen to his commandment, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. Do you remember the plagues that God put on Egypt to try to convince Pharaoh to let the people go? They went through all kinds of plagues and boils and sores and these things that were diseases, and God inflicted them. That is, God intentionally inflicted disease on a people because of the defiance of their leader, Pharaoh, and all of them suffered. But at the end of that, he said, I will put none of those diseases on you, which I put on the Egyptians, and here's the key, for I am the Lord, your healer. For I, the Lord, am your healer. There's the I am, there's a the great I am, his name Yahweh, Jehovah, and healer, which is Rapha, Jehovah, Rapha, and you'll see some translations put Rapha, R-O-P-H-I, and most will have R-A-P-H-A, different tenses of the word, but it's God, your healer, okay? So God is a healer, despite the fact that, that he didn't intend for all these things to come through, God is our healer. He is what we need him to be in those moments when we need healing. And so he made a promise to Israel. If you obey these commands, if you obey these laws, if you walk with me, stay with me and don't run off to all the ites, which we know they did, I will be God your healer and I won't put in those diseases on you. So a few other Old Testament examples. There's so many. I love studying all these miracles. I love studying miracles because there's, that's encouraging, right? We all want miracles. We all need miracles in certain parts of our life. So let's read and study about the miracles. I'm going to name a few. You go back and study them for yourself because my intent today wasn't to go through these any depth of detail. But in Elijah and Elisha, Elijah and Elisha, both raised dead people. They both read, raised dead sons of widows. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah raised the son of the widow of Zarephath. You can read it there. The whole account its really cool. In Second Kings 4, Elisha uh, raised a Shunammite woman's son from the dead. These were dead children. but These, these were, were miracles good. of healing, raising people from the dead. Love that story. One of the stories that's interesting to me, God struck his people. There are times that God brings disease and death intentionally because of disobedience. In the Old Testament, absolutely happens. We'll get to the New Testament in just a second. But one of those stories, because it's Old and New Testament, I want to share with you just briefly, is found in in Numbers 21. When God had had smitten his people, if you will, let me flip over there. Numbers 21. Have that mark. There we go. The Lord sent, a fiery, sent fiery serpents. He sent snakes, poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit him. And so that many people of Israel died. And then they came and said, we've sinned. Please intercede and ask the Lord that he may remove all these poisonous snakes from us. And so Moses interceded, prayed for the people, just like we've been praying intercessory prayer for all these people with disease and sickness we've been praying for. So then the Lord said to Moses, okay, well, here's what you're going to do. Make a fiery serpent set it on a standard, you know, make one out of bronze, make it out of metal, put it on a pole, a standard, which is what a standard was. They call them standard bears. Those are the, ba- the poles they used to bear the banners, the banners that would go to let people know who you were. So it was a standard bear, was carrying a pole. So make a fiery serpent out of bronze and set it on a big stand on a pole, okay, and it shall come about. And here it is, when that people that are bitten, when they look at that serpent up on that pole raised up, they will live. They will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, standard, and it came about. That serpent, any Man, when he looked up at that pole, that serpent on that pole, he lived. Now, this is what makes your skin crawl, does mine. Over, Flip over in John 3, verse 14. Jesus is talking to who? Nicodemus. Having that amazing, amazing conversation. And what is he referenced? In, in, in John three fourteen, what, two verses before John three sixteen, 16, for God so Live the World verse, Jesus said this to Nicodemus, who was a Jewish Pharisee, a master of the law. So he knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Remember what I just read you in Numbers, Numbers 21. Jesus said these words in, in John three fourteen, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Serpent on a pole? So the Son of Man, Jesus, on the cross must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The serpent on the pole gave people life because God anointed it and appointed it to do so. Those who were bitten and were dying of a poisonous snake bite would look up to that pole, that serpent on that pole, and have life. Jesus uses that same analogy to say, This is what's going to happen to me. I am quite sure that when Nicodemus witnessed the the, the crucifixion a short time later, he remembered what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am now that serpent on that pole. I'm being lifted up by God, but I'm being lifted up and I am dead on that pole, on that cross, but everyone who looks to me will have eternal life. Everyone who believes in me, and that was the theme of those verses in John 3, leading to John 3, 16, there's healing in that. There's healing in that. We're going to come to that. So that's a good segue into the New Testament examples. And by the way, in the Old Testament, there's many, many more examples. But boy, there's a lot of them in, in the New Testament and miracles of Jesus. I One source I was studying said there were 21 miracles of healing or miracles of Jesus. Most of them were healing. But here's the here's the message I want to get across today before we get into what about our healing? How do we go about it? What happens? What doesn't? What happens when it doesn't get healed? In Matthew 4, Jesus, we're told by Matthew who was with him, here's what's going on. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. Jesus was going about through all Galilee. Now, that's the northern part. He wasn't down in Jerusalem. he's up in Galilee. You know, Jesus was in Nazareth, Galilee, the northern part. And Capernaum was where he made his, his headquarters, if you will. Again, that was up in the northern regions, just above the, on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. We read that Jesus was going about, what, teaching, he had, he had a threefold ministry. Teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom to all those crowds. And healing every kind of disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus had this threefold ministry. And I'm going to help you understand it more specifically in a few minutes. But well, he was teaching and preaching and healing. I'm a teacher and a preacher of the word of God. And I pray often for the, the gift of healing. And we'll talk about that more as well. Jesus gifts were his ministries were teaching in a synagogue, we teaching that. teaching is usually like I'm teaching like a classroom, if you will. Think about that. Preaching or proclaiming some, some, um, translations use the word proclaiming, proclaiming and preaching the same word that I'm proclaiming to a larger group, like your preacher in the church, in the congregation, preaching out into, in, if I'm in a large area, large group of people in a stadium, in a coliseum, in somewhere, or just in a place where a lot of people have gathered to listen. Most of the time I am preaching, I'm doing both. I'm teaching and preaching. But that third one was interesting and healing every kind of disease and sickness that was brought to him among the people, from among the people. See? So the news about him spread throughout all of Syria, that was the northern country, right above, that's above Israel, or what was Israel. And they, the people, brought to him all who were ill, suffering with various diseases and pains demoniacs, those demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them. When they brought people like that to Jesus, he healed them. So let let me make a couple of statements here as we get into this part, as we transition into like the hope for our healing. Because a lot of us would think when we're desperate for healing, well, that's fine. That's them. What about me? What about my healing? What about our healing? Where's the hope for my healing? Jesus cured all who came to him for healing, but he did not cure all the people, nor did he remove physical or mental sickness and disease from this world. And that was not his mission and I'm going to come back to that before we wrap up. So Jesus cured all that were brought to him, but he didn't cure everyone that had illness and disease. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to use that to give you five things about this healing ministry of Jesus. But the first thing I want to say, and I think it's important to say, and look, many, many disagree. Many people in the conservative Christendom don't don't agree with this. I still believe that healing miracles occur today. Some don't. And of course, some who have taken things to extremes and to the point of fake faith healings and things that have really given all of that a really bad name and have just marred the name of Jesus and dishonored God for all the trickery and foolishness and fake things that deceived people and destroyed their hope and broke their hearts because it didn't bring anything because they were, not, they were not sent from God. They were just sent from Satan because they had in mind themselves creating a name for themselves and making a lot of money and pretending to be healing people, even to the point of hiring people to act like they got healed. You've heard about that. I've heard about that since I was a little boy, and it's terrible. But I still do believe that the gift of healing exists. There are many who teach. Some who teach, I don't know if it's many, but I, and, and, and conservative Bible-believing Christians that the gifts of the Spirit ceased, that these there's sections of gifts like tongues and healing and other gifts that just stopped because they were no longer needed after the apostolic time. I still don't believe that. This To me, there's nothing in Scripture that says that. And you can argue, you can say, well, look, just look how those things have ceased and, and how they have waned and so people aren't walking around like Jesus did or the apostles did who had these uh, holy spirit miraculous gifts of healing where they touched people and they were healed where even their shadow passed by and they were healed and they spoke healing into them and there's a lot of truth in that I understand the argument but I just don't think you can I think it's very dangerous to say something has ceased when the word of God doesn't say specifically that it does in, in the love chapter first uh, Corinthians 13 it says that when there are tongues they will cease but that's talking about the end times when, when, we're, when it's all done. Those, those verses are not talking about right then and there. And if that's the only verse you've got to use to talk about cessation of tongues or uh, other gifts, that's, that's weak. That's just very weak. So be careful when you start saying things in the Word of God have ceased uh, because God, the Holy Spirit, didn't say that. It's not, it's not, we're not told that. You're drawing inferences. That those, those are human. That's not spirit-led, spirit-driven. So I'd be very, very careful about that. Now, are they fake practice by some? Yes. Are they practiced in ways that don't honor God from some people? Yes. But that, that, that shouldn't mess it all up for everyone because there are applications where there are tongues, how they are used, how they are not used, when they're used, where they're used, things like that. Um, with healing, you know, I have to believe that there's healing and that people have that gift. I don't have it. I have prayed for it and I still pray for it. I keep praying for it because I believe it exists. And in the meantime, I'm going to pray that God, who is our healer, Jehovah Rapha, and through the, the, the healing we get through the Lord Jesus Christ, will still affect healing and hear our prayers. And that's what we're going to talk about now, okay? Many times, perhaps most of the time, when Jesus did a miracle of healing, this is the key, and this gives Calvinists real, real, real problems, real problems, because Jesus will often say to them, and i give you a, Mark, a Matthew 9, Luke 7.50, Luke 17.19, Luke 18.24, there are others. He would say to them, your faith has made you well. And boy, that stirs some people up. Your faith has made you well. Well, the faith that he's talking about, the object of that faith, was the faith in Jesus that he was able to do that. And that's the faith connection. It had nothing to do with the person or me if Jesus healed me because I believed I had that believing, was able to believe that and trust him, Maybe it's because I'd seen other things he had done, there's all kinds of reason for that. That gets off in some theological discussions we're not going to get into today. But Jesus very frequently said, your faith has not has made you well, not the faith that I gave you to believe. You see, that's adding in and reading on top of stuff that is not in the word of God. Let the word of God speak for itself. Let God speak for himself. Jesus said very clearly, your faith to the person that he was healing has made you well. You believe that I was able to give you that healing, and I did, because if you didn't believe, you would not receive that healing. Now, were there cases where that happened? When people weren't even, um, maybe didn't know who Jesus was or had not gone to him? There are a few of those. I'm going to give you those as well. I want to make sure I give you a full picture here but many times, most of the time, Jesus said all these times, your faith has made you well. we'll remember that because we're going to come back to that. Now, in, this is interesting. The one primary case where it said Jesus could do no miracles here, wasn't healing, was in his own hometown. So let me, let me read this to you in Mark chapter 6. In Mark 6, we read this. Jesus goes back to his own hometown. He goes back to Nazareth. And the people are saying stuff like, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother James and Joseph and uh, Judas and Simon, and aren't his sisters with us? And it says they took offense at him. They took offense. They took up a reproach against Jesus and said, you're you're nobody. You're the son of Mary and Joseph. We know who you are. Who do you think you are doing this stuff? And so they were ridiculing him in in a sense, and it took offense at him. How dare you come here claiming to be Messiah? Well, he had not made any such claim, but the things that he had been doing, that reputation ran ahead of him. Of course it did. No one had ever been around in the country anywhere that was doing the healing and miracles that he did. And so they heard of this, but because of their response, their lack of belief and faith, we we read that Jesus could do no miracles there except he laid hands on a few people, and we'll talk about laying hands on and a few sick people, and they were healed, okay? But no miracles. None of the kind of things he'd been doing. Why? Because they didn't believe. And he wondered at their unbelief, you see. That's how we know it's about faith. He wondered at their unbelief. They took up a reproach against him because of who he was. They knew who he was, they thought. They knew him in the flesh. He was raised there in Nazareth. He was a son of a carpenter. He knew his brothers and sisters and his mom was still there. <laughs> and he couldn't do any miracles there. There's great debate there because it doesn't say he wouldn't do. It says he couldn't do. And so there's a lot of debate there and questions about could he not do them because of their lack of faith or did he choose not to do them? You know what? It doesn't matter for our purposes today. These people didn't believe, didn't think he was who people were saying that he was, Messiah, and he performed no miracles there because of their lack of belief. So. That's the only case I've found and most people can find in Scripture where it teaches that. But Jesus didn't always choose to, to, to heal all the, all the people. Remember oh, a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, we were talking about the, um, in prayer and, and people who wanted to get healed. And in John chapter 5, there's that uh, bunch of paralytics and sick people laying around the pool of Bethesda. You remember the story where the first one in, when the angel came and stirred the waters, first one in got healed. But this one had been there; he was paralyzed for thirty plus years. Uh, We don't know how long he'd been laying there, but obviously a long time. He could never get there because he couldn't move. He couldn't walk. He maybe could crawl or drag himself. We don't know exactly, but he was never going to get in there. But he lay there anyway. And so Jesus came by the disciples, and he said, he asked the man, "Do you want to be healed?" The man didn't ask Jesus, will you heal me? And in fact, remember, I gave you a great explanation about that, that he didn't even say, oh, yes, Lord, of course, I want to be healed. Heal me. He didn't say that. His answer was he told Jesus why he couldn't be healed. Well, that ain't going to happen to me because I can't get myself in the water. Someone else always beats me there. And then Jesus healed him. He didn't ask to be healed. He had a terrible answer. (laughs) Well, Jesus, Jesus healed him. Why? No idea. It's so what he does. It's what he did. What about all those others laying on the pool? He didn't heal them. He didn't heal them. He healed this one man, told him to take up his pallet, take up his bed, and go. And he did. What about the rest of them? I don't know. Jesus healed the one man. And the one man that he healed didn't plead for healing, didn't give the right answer. Jesus healed him. And so it leaves us scratching our heads. And there were people also that he healed that didn't didn't know him. They weren't Christians, and we'd say they weren't believers. They weren't disciples or followers. The centurion's servant, now you could say the centurion obviously believed, but all we know in the centurion story was he ran to Jesus and said, my servant is sick. They're like my, my child because I know that if you do that, that child will be healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. And another one that is Always really interesting to me. It's only shared, um, I think, in one gospel in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest Jesus to take him to crucify him. And there's that somewhat of an altercation when they first come. And as they approach him, Peter, uh, possessing one of the two swords they took with them, and you can read that story, but he took it out of his sword and he whacked off the ear of, I think it was a high priest servant, Malchus, whacked off his ear. And Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it back on him. <laughs> I love that story. Can you imagine what those people standing around thought, holding the torches, and they mob there, and Jesus and the disciples, and the disciples were scared to death. And Peter's reaction was to whack off the ear. He just whacked it. Maybe tried to kill him. I mean, he just happened to cut off his ear. Ear falls on the ground. Jesus reaches down, puts it back on. And people must be thinking, whoa, who is this guy that we're arresting? He he just put this ear back on this guy, just like it was nothing. But Malchus didn't know what was going on, and no one asked him to do that. Jesus just healed because he can. I'm at this point now with a message that I either stop or continue on, and, and I'm going to end up going long. So... Um, I think what I'm going to do is pause here and just kind of give a brief summary, and then when we get back together, I'm going to go through these things that are our part of this in terms of affecting healing, trying to bring healing down and crying for healing, the things that the scripture tells us from Jesus' own words, James, John, healing, biblical healing. New Testament healing, what that looks like and how it occurs, when it does, when it doesn't. And I I, I hate to stop at this point, but I really feel like it's necessary because otherwise I'll run way too long. Um, So Tuesday, we'll pick this up right here. One of the things that's important I wanted to share in, in John 20, let me just wrap it up with this verse. With all these things I've shared with you and all these miracles of Jesus. Here's what John wrote. Remember, John was the disciple Jesus loved, so close to him, laid his head on his breast. And and John, I've shared with you many times before, and I've taught you, John was the oldest. He was the last eyewitness. All the rest had been martyred, killed in the 60s A.D., some even before that. Uh, James, the first to go, and I think maybe 40-something. Jesus crucified around 30 A.D., but late in that first century, John's writing, he wrote his gospel, he wrote the three epistles, and he was given that um, revelation. So in, in John 20, verse 30, he wrote this. Toward the, this is the end of his gospel, toward the end of it. He said, therefore, many other signs. He's kind of summarizing this life of Jesus, the ministry, them being with him for three years. Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, meaning we were there, we were eyewitnesses, they're not written in this book, they're not written in his gospel, they're not written in any of the gospels, because he had availability of those writing in the 90s, he was 90 years old or so, and in his 90s, and writing in the 90s AD, before the turn of the first century, but these have been written, I recorded these things, why? so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. <laughs> That's our ultimate healing. My dear brothers and sisters, if you're in Christ, you know that. You know that. Those who have gone on who he chose not to heal in their physical or mental infirmities, If they're born again in Christ, if we're born again in Christ, our healing comes the minute that we draw that last breath. And oh, what a glorious and marvelous thing that it is. It's wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. I have so many friends and family who walk through some really hard times and difficult things and are right now. And they are encouraged With the knowledge and the hope, the eternal hope that one, that their loved one was healed completely the minute that they drew their last breath, this side of heaven, and woke their spirit in the presence of God in heaven. And those physical bodies will be made new and joined with the spirits. That's another time, another message. They will. But it's a glorious hope that we have. A glorious hope for all of us who have laid people to rest. But that's this side. And they're now on the other side where we long to be. Oh, do we long to be. And they are fully healed. Fully healed. Sometimes that healing comes after we draw a last breath. I'll talk more about that next time. And then my final thought is for those who... See this, read this, listen to it, however you receive this message. You're wondering, otherwise you wouldn't pay attention. You shut this down probably when you saw the title or you just skipped right past it. Don't know why you'd want to listen to something on biblical healing when you don't believe the Bible's the truth. You don't believe it's the word of God. You don't believe anything about it. And you think people that are Christians are just ignorant. We're ignorant, all right. We're just ignorant for the sake of the gospel. And I stand here this morning and teach and preach and preach healing and pray for healing because that's what God told me to do. The ministries of Jesus, what he called me to do is to go and teach and preach, proclaim, and then speak healing. And if I can't lay hands on people to heal, and I don't know that, but what I do know is I can pray And I can call on Jehovah Rapha, God of healing, and I can pray for you. But my prayer for you is the spiritual healing. Because you don't need physical healing if you're still sick to death spiritually. That you've rejected him. That you are like the people in Nazareth where you take up a reproach against him. You disdain him. (laughs) We know who you were. You were just a man. History records you were just a man. And didn't do anything there. The great news for you is, if you will believe like those who stretched out their hand, if you'll just believe, have that faith that He is able, then He will, and He does. And you will join with us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and your healing then is complete. The spiritual healing—it's the most important kind. It's really the only one that matters. The only one that matters. Oh, would you do that today? Would you just understand? That we are all broken, diseased, terminally ill. But terminal illness is sin more than it is anything else. It's not disease. Sin will destroy you and take you down spiritually as well. If we don't do like John said, confess that sin. Confess that sin. Repent of your sins. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14:6. Those are his words. And we just repeat them for you because people say, well, there's got to be another way. There must be another way. There are all these other gods and ways and religions. There are, and there are pathways to hell. Well, I'm called all kinds of names for making statements like that. I'm just repeating what Jesus said. But you know what? They killed him. So perhaps there'll come a point in time when they will kill us who are messengers of the gospel. We're just speaking the truth in love, but it didn't matter. I'm just praying that you will not be one of those anymore. That you will today, today, in case I am the last Bible teacher evangelist guy that God puts in front of you. If I'm the last one, please don't. Please don't turn this off. Don't turn away. Don't reject him again. Please don't do that. I am pleading for your eternal life. I'm praying for you. That God the Holy Spirit right now is putting on you this conviction of your sin and your need for a Savior. And that's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus told Nicodemus, for all who believe and receive me will be saved, and they'll have what? Eternal life. I'm praying for that for you. Father God, I pray that anyone listening who has continued to reject, deny, curse the wonderful, holy, matchless name of Jesus, that you would bring conviction and spiritual healing into their lives right now, right now. And that angels, will rejoice over just one, just one who comes to know you and receive Christ as Savior, even as I'm speaking and praying. Oh, Lord God, would you, would you, would you honor that and I stand on the promises of your word that it will not return void. I'm standing on that, Lord, and I'm believing that for those who are in need of a Savior. And one last time, Lord, I'm praying and pleading interceding over those who need healing. You know them by name. I know them by name. I woke up praying for them. I went to bed praying for them. Prayed for them before we got started this morning. Just praying for them, Lord, that we'll see your hand of healing this side of heaven in their lives, on their bodies. For Christ's sake and Christ's sake alone. Amen. God bless you and I'll see you Tuesday. Go finish this up. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.